Welcome to the Business Herald podcast. The Business Herald is a weekly roundup of all of the top UK business news stories by email, social media, and this podcast. The podcast will feature some of the week's main stories, and we'll be joined by various business people on each episode to discuss the week's news and how it might impact a smaller business like yours. And hopefully we'll have some fun on a Friday too. I'm your host, Stephen Mather. I'm a lawyer for SMEs, and I help business owners sleep better at night by sorting their legal problems out. Thanks for listening, and stay tuned for the next episode of The Business Herald. Welcome along to this week's episode of the Business Herald podcast. I am joined this week by Paul Green and Neil Watton, returning visitors to the podcast. I'd like you to introduce yourself uh, this week, gentlemen, if that's okay. So, Paul, would you like to introduce yourself? Yeah, thanks, Stephen. So it's Paul Green from the uh, business community. Um, I've been an independent business owner since 2003, so survived one recession. Um, and uh, now the business community's got about 140 members. I'm, I'm just passionate about helping small businesses grow and be better at what they do um, and, you know, seeing them be as successful uh, as they can. So, yeah, that's me. Excellent stuff. Thank you very much for coming along. And Neil, would you like to introduce yourself? Yep. Thanks, Stephen. Uh, my name's Neil Wattam from WKM Wealth Limited. Um, slightly different to Paul, perhaps, in that um, I'm a co-founder of a small um, IFA business, and we started in April of this year. So we've seen ourselves grow through the uh, the pandemic in the recent times. But um, I'm pleased to say that I've um, met you both through the business community and met some other fine people. So um, long may that continue. Excellent. Thank you very much, gentlemen. So this week, um, we've got a few news stories that I'd like to talk about and touch upon. The, the, the first one, which is perhaps potentially controversial, but there you go, that's me, um, is this. The stats, the job statistics um, that have been released show that almost, not quite the same, but almost as many people lost their job during the, uh, since the start of the pandemic than have actually had coronavirus. In rough figures, it's around about six hundred fifty thousand pounds, uh, six hundred fifty thousand people, um, and uh, yeah, two hundred and uh, two hundred and twenty-seven thousand uh, people lost their job between June and August, so just over the summer months, and that was a hundred thousand people more than had coronavirus. Uh, so the question to both of you is: Is it now time just to get back to normal, uh, or do we still have those health concerns? that are overriding the economy concerns. Paul, over to you. Well, the health concerns are always going to be there, uh, Stephen, aren't they, I think? Um, you know, until we get a vaccine that we know works, I think it's always going to be an ongoing issue. Um, I saw some commentary the other day, I can't remember uh, particularly what the source was, but it was around, you know, we, we did this lockdown since March, we took the precautions then, and seemingly, you know, we're now in a second wave. So did it make a... A difference or not and should we do the same again expecting a, a different result uh, I'm not so sure I know we're in a tiered system now so um, obviously it doesn't look like it's necessarily going to affect the whole country but I, I, I don't know it's, it's a tricky one isn't it because there's still vulnerable people out there um, they're still going to be at risk but you know should, should they should they manage themselves individually um, or should we as a country uh, penalise the masses, if, as it were, and um, shut shut places down again. I, I I don't know. It's a tricky one, but we can't keep you know locking down the country, can we? we we've got to move on at some point. I'm not saying this is the point, um, but um, 
the economy has got to start to build itself with this virus in the background, you know, until we get a, a cure for it. Yeah, yeah. In, in, in London, um, London's moving tiers, uh, I think, and um, it's, it's been estimated that because of that move in, um, in the tiers and, and the closure of hospitality, or partial closure of hospitality, that's going to cost up to a quarter of a million additional job losses over and above the ones that we've uh, already seen are just in London alone on hospitality. And, um, and I think for me, at least, that it's a, it, clearly a very difficult question. It's a really difficult balance to get. And it's something that I think the government has struggled with. We've seen um, the, the criticisms of the government because they haven't followed the scientific advice. And we know the scientific advice is kind of we'll lock down everything, close everything, keep everyone at home, and then we'll all be safe and sound. Um, that clearly is going to would, would completely damage the economy, as I think the lockdown has showed has. Um, and I think you're right, Paul, that the businesses need to start to get back on their feet and we need to start seeing those um, those jobs return. It's encouraging that job adverts and recruitment is up. But with that level of, of losses, we're now at a situation where we're looking at going, well, which one was worse, actually? Is it worse that someone gets coronavirus and is is you know mildly unwell for most people it seems or is it that we just have you know high unemployment moving forward over the next few years we've got you know seven to ten percent of employment you know what are your views on the controversial question yeah i i think i was listening to a show earlier this week and i think it was announced that northern ireland i think it's their health um sorry the health and beauty and hairdressers have got a shot for four weeks i think it was yes and they had a lady on and um she was like, you know, they've done everything they can. I'm just thinking about SMEs and, you know, they're probably the biggest employer by grouping in the country. And, you know, you've got people like that who have done everything, followed all the precautions. Um, they've done everything been asked of them. And now they're being asked to shut. And therefore, concern is, well, one, is the decision and the rules being made based on health and science or is it almost on a slight perhaps knee-jerk if it's not maybe the right word but a government trying to be seen to be doing something but actually might not be helping and actually for those businesses and employees it's clearly going to be very detrimental as you know people running up into Christmas and especially for four weeks I mean it's a long time and they've obviously had to shut up shop very quickly so I mean there'll be loads of businesses I, I fear that will again fall by the wayside because of rules that are being made and uh, applied perhaps with the science not quite backing up the rule but uh, you know again no expert and I'm not saying it's the right or wrong thing it's just the reality for some small businesses is going to be really quite painful and therefore jobs likewise yeah it's a it's a, it's a tough one to get that balance and, and be um as as everybody is and social media I mean you know no bones about it I'm the, I'm the same we all have an opinion on stuff um, and we might not be as well educated in the science of it or in the economics of it or in everything, you know. So, so we, we, we appreciate that we come from a, a different point of view. Paul, um, what do you think? Well, to be a bit controversial, it's, it's the idiots, isn't it, really, that's, that's letting us down. You know, when you see these news stories of 100 people at a wedding, so, um, you know, that they know the rules. Of course, it's frustrating if you're getting married at this, this, uh, under these circumstances. But, you know, it's, it's I, I don't know, it's the minority or people in certain regions that seem to be breaking the rules. And then it's the masses that are then um, impacted by that because we have to go into this tier system and various parts of the country are affected in more ways than, than others. And it's, it's, 
is people just not being sensible and thinking about the consequences that they have by doing something silly like that, you know, going to a rave or attending a wedding. And, um, you know, it's okay finding the pubs that do that, but the damage is already done by then, isn't it? And I guess the, the other the other eye um, is inconsistencies in terms of, you know, there are certain kids can go to school, yet they can't have more than six friends around and, and stuff like that. So it's all these, these things where I know we're trying to move the country forward, but I guess it's just the confusion of these inconsistencies about what you can and can't do and which are sort of like low low or high risk things to do. And I don't know, if there weren't so many idiots around, then maybe we wouldn't be in this mess again. And we've seen, um, I've seen retails, retail shops in particular in the news where they've said, we're not, we're not going to comply with the rules. You know, you can come in, you don't need to wear a mask. We're not going to wear any PPE. We're not going to talk about coronavirus, you know, and, and they're almost the people that think coronavirus is a, you know, a hoax of some sort, you know, it's a conspiracy theory and they get shut down very quickly or the ones that, and we've had it locally, um, you know, um, pubs, restaurants that are going over, uh, overboard and, and not staying within the remits of the legislation, and the regulations, they're being closed down. So as a small business and a small, you know, small, medium sized business owner, of course, you've got to comply with the rules. I'm not saying that you, you, you don't, of course, you've got to comply with the rules, but it's still continuing to have a major impact on, on the bigger uh, economy picture. And that will inevitably flow down and have a, an impact on the smaller picture. And there's got to be a point in time, I think, in my opinion, at least, that the government start to recognize that this can't can't carry on sort of in, on an indefinite period and we've got to be sort of set th- set free a little bit more neil yeah and, and i think just to going back to your question about the going back to some sort of whatever normal might be back like those hairdressers people want to get the hair done um not me but others and you know they they want to feel good and especially when it's christmas etc and it just feels like we're knee jerking around and you know, having to react, businesses have to react to rules at the flip of a coin and there's no ability to plan. And, you know, it's, and for pubs and restaurants, et cetera, they've got supply chains that me or you probably never really think about. You just turn up and eat. And yet these people have to do all these and that affects those other businesses. So I personally think we've got to get to some sort of, we've got to just kind of carry on to a degree and to Paul's point, it is often the, the outliers that cause the problems. Um, and just be sensible and follow precautions and but carry on for the sake of small businesses, employees, sanity, you know, kind of the whole works in my sort of view. Yeah, I mean, I, I get the concern over overloading the NHS, which I guess is, is one of the fundamental things because, you know, the numbers are going up uh, possibly worse than they were earlier in the year. And I noticed that I think they're reopening some of the 19 gala hospitals, aren't they, to cope with that. But But my view is the money it's going to cost us to keep doing this to the economy let's invest that in the nhs to support them to have them be able to cope with this this rise and to an extent you know let it ride and let the nhs cope and um you know hopefully those vulnerable people that are going to be affected more you know can keep can keep themselves protected i think it's a, it's an interesting one as i say it's a really difficult question and i appreciate that it's a difficult question for for those making the decisions in government um, but certainly as a, as a small business owner and someone that advises SMEs, I see that, you know, that there's got to be 
um, now a, a point where we go, do you know what, actually, we've got to focus at least some attention on the economy and getting it back up and running and started. Um, speaking of that, the IMF, the International Monetary Fund, the World Bank and the OECD have both said that um, the, the government, the UK, need to borrow more money. They need to do more to protect jobs. But I don't know how we can potentially borrow more money. We're already at 101% of GDP. So that's like an individual earning £35,000 and, and their spend on repayment being £40,000. Um, so we're already up to the hilt in terms of borrowing. But it says we should borrow more because debt is really cheap right now. Um, and we should invest and uh, particularly do more to protect jobs and invest in, in the economy. Um, it's a very uh, Keynesian philosophy, Keynesian um, theory in economics. Uh, is, uh, comes out of like world wars. It was always there in um, you know, sort of spend your way out of a recession. And uh, generally speaking, it seems like a, a decent idea. Um, is that something that that the government should really do and focus on it. You know, we're, we're looking at um, it's already spent more money in the excess of HS2 than it has given to the arts, for instance. Um, and uh, I'll touch upon the arts and how the government doesn't like it. But is it, um, is it investing and is that a good idea? Is it investing in the right types of jobs or is it something that we just say like that, you know, some, somebody has an opinion if they're in the arts and they're not getting the investment, whereas um, an infrastructure uh, project is getting the investment is it just well some people will lose some people will win and that's that uh, neil what do you think yeah i think yeah so borrowing is particularly cheap and and the government tends to borrow in a longer term so no doubt have some debts coming up that can re-borrow cheaply again and refinance quite happily um i mean the whole hs2 i think that was the budget was revamped revised up again this week um quite not maybe um too significantly but it's still some big numbers and um you know, I personally think they should be spending and should be borrowing on the basis that debt is so cheap and it gets people working, it gets people spending, you know, whether it's building houses. I'm not quite sure I'm a HS2 advocate per se. I think I'll be a northern HS2 type advocate rather than maybe the London link. Um, but, um, you know, saving 10 minutes down from Birmingham to London or whatever it is. Um, is well anyway but I think yeah the whole point of spending creating jobs and just generally you know th those construction jobs drive other jobs to support them so I, I'm of that view I guess the government just needs to be sensible and I'd rather them spend money on infrastructure and kind of real things rather perhaps in my view than spending money just to keep people at home or or paying them um, uh through the support schemes that we've got in the UK. So I think I'd rather go on some real tangible stuff that we can all benefit from, hopefully, going forward. I think it's one of the things with, um, with, with publicly funded infrastructure um, projects is that, like any person, any business, we normally want to see a return on our investment. We want to see some benefit. And if I buy this product, I want it to save me money. I want it to uh, allow me to do things quicker or better. And then with something like HS2, the benefits are, are, are small and, and, and really quite ridiculous compared to the amount of money being spent. But that's the wrong benefit people look at. The actual benefit is all the, the jobs that are being um, provided uh, and, 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 and that rather than the benefit of somebody being able to commute to London five, ten minutes faster. Um, and and that, that for me is, the, is why... Um, the government should be spending money. I agree with you, Neil. I think it's much better spent on that, those kind of infrastructure projects 
um, build things that we need, but we've got to be mindful that it's not necessarily a, a, a direct or, you know, um, uh, a benefit that we can see tangibly. We might be able to see, see a building, we might be able to see a train line, um, but we won't see it tangibly. What we see instead is that um, it's employed 30,000 people, all of which of whom have had a wage to be able to take home to then go out and spend it in shops um, and, and the money goes you know, throughout the economy. Paul, what do you think? Uh, not an econ economist, but it would make sense that um, if you are going to borrow money, then invest it. Um, uh, rather than, as Nick, Neil said, you know, just, just use that money to keep people at home or support people being at home, whatever. Um, if, if they're going to invest in the infrastructure and that's going to generate jobs, it's going to get people out there and those people that are earning money are going to be spending the money, then it's got to be a good thing, isn't it? Um, there obviously is a concern about the amount of debt that we're building up. So I think it's been touched on on these podcasts before. It's all got to be paid back somehow at some point uh, by us. So, um, you know, it's, it's just getting that balance, isn't it? So hopefully the government, you know, will, cho will choose to spend that money wisely and invest it in those areas like building houses, like uh, building roads, like investing in those areas of the country that may be sort of like weaker economically and investing in those areas to improve their situation. So, yeah, I think investment has got to be the way, way forward. I don't wish to make a political comment at this point, but it's it's somewhat funny that um, the Tories joked about Labour's um, imaginary money tree in which it was going to fund its um, manifesto promises. And it turns out that the Tories don't don't have a, a magic money tree. They have a whole forest. <laughs> um, still no idea how we're going to pay it back. Um uh, one point that uh, that has come up in a few news stories this week um, is is what I've termed a, like a winter hibernation. Um, so I'll explain that a little bit more. So I've seen Ryanair and EasyJet, both of which have said that they are going to reduce the number of flights over winter. That's obvious reasons why no one's flying, no one can fly. Um, if you take a risk of flying, you don't know whether or not you're going to be quarantined um, or self-isolating for 14 days on your return. So they are reducing their flights down somewhere between one in three or one in five flights. Um, cinemas, View, uh, View Cinema and Odeon, um, on top of Cineworld, which obviously has decided to close until the new year anyway, View and Odeon have both said that they're going to reduce their numbers down and maybe only open three days a week, which I assume is Friday, Saturday and Sunday. Um, is, is winter hibernation, is that a, a plan that a small business could, could do um, and survive on? I, you know, in terms of proper hibernation like a, an animal would do, is you store up fat now you make hay while the sun shines and then you go into winter hibernation and you just kind of nibble away until it's all good and you can come out when the snow has cleared um is that something that's that's viable for small businesses or is it just that the, these big businesses have got the luxury of sitting on you know several millions of pounds worth of cash in the bank neil i suspect not many businesses can really in reality even whether they're really big or small i think Anyone, any businesses that have been particularly affected by the pandemic, um, whether it's now or earlier, um, have probably not had their best year and are probably in a leaner position than they would like to be, whether they're seasonal or not. You know, pubs and restaurants and entertainment are not necessarily particularly seasonal, but um, they've probably not so, um, not fared that well. So I, I doubt many could really do it. 
I don't know what businesses have fared that strongly. I guess, you know, some retailers, some online, but they're probably not going to be going into hibernation. And like I mentioned before, the hairdressers and the real kind of corner shop type businesses that we see every day, they're just not going to be in that position. But equally, they're not in a position to trade that well, which is they're in this horrible quandary of being attacked on all sides and yet still need to pay the rent, keep the heating on and all that sort of stuff. And I think I think that's the point, which is, there's a cost attached to continuing to trade. There's a cost that, you know, if you, if you are, uh, you know, have premises, uh, whether or not you're, you know, retail or otherwise, you've got premises, you've got staff, uh, you've got costs. And if sales aren't there or they're massively reduced, then that's where the, you know, the, the idea of kind of reducing down um, uh, may work for some people. It does of course depend on, you know, that person's or that business's, income and what they need and what uh, you know what the, the staffing levels are like uh, but I can I can see a situation where actually many SMEs um, look at what their cost of sales is their fixed overhead costs and go actually we might be better off reducing this down over this winter period because we know no one's going to spend any money no one's going to do this no one's going to do that but I'm a business um, just to be able to try and survive rather than keeping the costs where they are and, and having 50% of sales, because that's, good, that's, that's going to be cause, uh, cause a more, more of a problem than reducing the costs uh, expenditure. Yeah, and, and not on the small business front, but I think Cineworld made that point, if it was not last week, last week, where it's actually better for them to shut and hibernate, pay the rent, but not pay staff, not have cleaners in, whoever, and not stock stuff, which in a way feels a little bit counterintuitive potentially, but nonetheless, they've taken that view. I think and whether they've shut all of them now or not, but that was their view that they'll just kind of tick over hibernate with a view of coming back when blockbusters, et cetera, come back. Yeah, exactly. Paul, any thoughts on the subject? Well, I've got enough fat to see me through the winter, but I'm not planning on hibernating is the first point. Um, I think, I don't, I don't think, I think it might be a business to consumer and a business to business thing um you know if your business to consumer if consumers are being told to stay off the high street or stay away from certain uh, activities then obviously that is going to impact those businesses that are providing services to consumers um on the on the and maybe less so with b2b type businesses however you know if you are a small medium size uh, business then i don't think i think you need to keep marketing you need to keep making people aware that you're there uh, yes look at reducing costs maybe look at reducing your opening hours um uh, you know so you can still be a profitable business i know some from you know networking experience that some businesses um went put their head in the sand really and i think just disappeared off the radar i think those businesses if they survive through this are going to find it quite difficult to come back and sort of uh, emerge um because people will have forgotten about them it almost be like starting again to a certain extent um, and also, you know, some small businesses were forced into hibernation, weren't they, in the summer because of the lockdown situation. So I, th- I think it's, it's, it depends on the sector you're in. Um, but if you, if you can trade through this and you can look at reducing your costs and still being profitable, then I think that's, that's the thing to do as long as your client base is still active. Thank you. Uh, John, Lewis, John Lewis's boss today, in, reported in today's newspaper, has said that uh, she said that um, 
she didn't think that retail was, you know, on its last legs or dead at all, but that John Lewis as an organization were looking at alternative um, revenue streams to be able to support the retail proposition. And I wonder whether or not um, that's actually something that small businesses should look at as well. And small, small medium-sized businesses, um, they should look at, you know, not just their core product offering, but whether or not they also should be looking at alternative revenue streams to be able to supplement what their core activity is. So I assume what John Lewis is talking about is not just high street retail, but online retail. It's sales for online retail um, doing okay. Um, but also things like we know John Lewis has also been involved in you know, insurances and financial services. And that maybe is the way in which it sees it, it needs to grow um, its you know, underlying income. Um, for a smaller, medium-sized business, of course, making that change to a product offering might be a bit tricky. And some people might turn around and say, no, just focus on the one thing that you do brilliantly. You know, focus on the core thing because that's what you need to be. That's who you need to, that's, that's who you are. And that's where you're going to get your, your most sales from. Um, so, Paul, what are, you, what are your thoughts about that kind of diversification of revenue streams? I tend to agree with your last point, Stephen. I think small businesses should focus on what they're good at. And they may need to adapt. They may need to move online. They might need to look at different marketing channels to get their message out there. Um, but I think they st small businesses still need to stick with the core competence competencies they have um, and maybe just evolve those. So, as you said, you know, John Lewis aren't doing anything. Yeah, they're not opening petrol stations, for example. They're building on stuff they've done before, the core values that they've got on the customer base they've got so i think it's just it's looking at how again build up carrying on what i said earlier it's looking at how small businesses can sustain themselves but you know don't start doing three entirely different types of businesses because i think you'll water down your marketing message you'll water down um what people view you as good at it's a credibility thing isn't it you know you've got to maintain that credibility so of course you know adapt look at new channels add things bolt on things that are natural progression but don't diversify totally outside of your comfort zone if you like i know coaches will be yelling at me now because that's what coaches tell you to do go outside your comfort zone but i'm not really talking about that aspect i'm just sort of saying stick with your foundations and build on that you know do an extra annex or go one floor up using that analogy and um uh, build on that neil any thoughts on whether diversification is a plan for small smes yeah i was just actually looking at the john lewis because i hadn't seen the headline but they're actually going into renting out homes in part on their sites, which is quite a step away from, as far as I know, what they've done before. But I guess they've got a team, they've got a scale that allows them to perhaps step aside into different areas. And obviously they've got um, freeholds, et cetera, and no doubt they can leverage um, nicely. And they've got that sort of strength and the brand. But equally, I think whilst they and others have, you know, diversified and bought businesses and done all sorts, you then see maybe in a few years' time them kind of scaling back again, going, oh, that's a that's a distraction now. Um, it might have been a good idea at the time, but actually, no, no thanks. So, yeah, I think I'm in the camp of stick to what you do best. And we touched on it on a discussion this morning about, you know, do what you do best. If you know someone else that does something better than you do, then get them to do it type thing rather than really going too far. I guess having said that, if, you've, if you can't do what you do because you, you're literally not allowed the rules, then... Maybe there is a chance to do some retraining, reskilling, 
and thinking about the future, even if it's not a knee jerk, oh, I'm a, I'm a hairdresser and now I'm going to go and be an architect. It's maybe just thinking how to branch out in future, but use your time um, as opposed to just thinking, well, I'll just sit at home. For instance, you could be a ballerina and you might want to retrain and be involved in cyber. <laughs> Yeah. Um, which is a, a, a government ad that was quickly withdrawn this week um, of mm. outrage amongst anyone that's involved in the arts or anyone with a brain. Has there been anything, uh, Paul, that's, that's caught your attention this week that we, you think we should talk about? So, yeah, I noticed in the news that Weatherspoons have reported their first loss since um, 84. So I'm just wondering whether that's a result of Mr. Martin's view to his staff or how he treated his staff early on in this pandemic he wasn't particularly supportive of them and you know a lot of people were talking about boycotting Weatherspoons. so I don't know whether it's not just the current situation that's led to a loss or whether this is a knock-on effect of you know people reacting to what he said earlier in the year uh, let's hope yeah. it was yeah I think that didn't didn't he say at that point you know at the start of the pandemic well you all better go and get a job somewhere else yeah, um, and I think, you know, that that's, I know, I know a lot of his staff are on zero-hour contracts, but it's just not the way to treat people, is it? No. Um, and I don't know whether we're allowed to say knob on this, Steve, and I'm sure you'll edit it out if, if we're not able to, but I just think, you know, from a, from a business leader, you know, a bit of a knob doing that, really. And um, on one level, I think, well, if that has a, had a knock-on effect to, to his business, well, serves you right, mate. Yeah. I think uh, I think you're right. Neil, was there anything that caught your attention? Well, it was. It's not actually in the last week or so, but it's something that um, my brother made, made reference to this week um, on the back of some investments that we do for clients. But it's about flights, and then you mentioned about the whole hibernation or cutting down earlier. But I was st- rather staggered to realise that there's been flights to nowhere, as they've been called, that have been selling out remarkably quickly. Um, you know, a seven-hour flight to nowhere um, for no reason other than to go in an aeroplane. Yeah, don't I saw that. Amazing. And, what? what um, like, and and that, like you say, they're selling out for people just to go on a circular journey hmm. back so they they can experience airplane food and watch TV <laughs> on a small screen. Absolutely what, bonkers. What? Um, what? What? Who are those people that are desperate to go on those flights? Like, no idea. I mean, the flight part of the journey, unless you're in first or business, is is rubbish. It is when you're six foot four and eighteen stone like me. It's like being trapped in a <laughs> uncomfortable war torture cell, but um, and then being force fed horrible, horrible food. But I, I don't. So I don't know who really is going to go on those flights. But yeah, like you say, selling out, unbelievable, bonkers. But um, I guess, I guess people are bored aren't they you know that there's just not a lot of stuff to do and you're cooped up in your house or you feel that way and you're restricted in some ways so I guess you know these wacky things now it's 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 a day out isn't it um so yeah whilst whilst under normal circumstances you think what why on earth would you do that now you know who, who knows what people would do what people will come up with that people will buy diversification Absolutely. Yeah. Um, yeah. Interesting. Uh, one of the things that caught my eye this week um, was uh, something called Nudge Economics. So BT are the first FTSE company to encourage staff to save 
uh, for a rainy day by getting them to agree a scheme where that uh, whereby some of their salaries automatically saved into a building society account. Um, and, and it's on the basis that the auto enrolment scheme for pensions has actually been reasonably effective. Most people uh, didn't opt out and therefore that they're being, you know, a, a small percentage of their money is being put into a pension. Um, and the facts, you know, demonstrate, Neil, you'll know this better than, uh, than either of us or either of us. Um, people don't have money saved. They don't have a rainy day fund. So is this is this kind of nudge economics of a, of a company, an employer helping people to start saving? I think that's a good idea. Or is it something that em the employees will go, hang on a minute. No, I need as much money as I can every month. I, I think these sort of ideas, it's good, good press. It's good to get people thinking about it. The auto enrollment, as you said, has been very successful. The slight downside to these sort of things is that people may then think, oh, I'm saving. I'm going to have millions of pounds in a separate pot ready there for when I retire or I've saved up lots. So you can put them in a slight false sense of security. But um, I think the idea is, is, is fairly sensible, depending on what they're doing with it, how much they're taking, how they're doing it, what they're telling the employees is happening. But I think just getting people to talk about it and think about it is a good thing. And coming from such a big brand that everyone knows and everyone talks about, it might get people talking to their friends, their employers, you know, about what support they can get. So I quite like the kind of theory. Um, I'd just be intrigued to know what the detail is and whether there's some sort of thou shalt enforce save or it's a you can do this. It's, a, it's, it's certainly a, a voluntary scheme from what I can work out. It's a voluntary scheme and the employee um, uh, kind of sets a, an amount for a specific reason. So they say, okay, I want to save a, a 500 pound amount and, and, and then they'll you know, sort of be told when they hit that target and then they can you know, draw it out or be encouraged to carry on and keep it saving. But I thought it was a, a nice idea. Um, yeah. Although we've seen the, 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 the statistics seem to show that people have actually been saving through lockdown and furlough. And I think it's, it's one of those things that perhaps um, Paul talked about the idiots. Most people are perhaps not idiots and they're very sensible people and they're, they're actually squirreling away stuff rather than just blowing it and spending it. I, th I think it's a good idea. As, as Neil said, it might not be millions in terms of what's in the pot, but probably enough for a six-hour flight in a circle. <laughs> That's it. Gentlemen, thank you very much for joining me on this week's episode of the Business Herald podcast. It's been great to have you on. Thanks, Stephen. Thanks very much. And to you listening at home, thank you very much for listening. If you enjoyed the podcast, I'd be grateful if you could leave a review, subscribe to the podcast, the podcast usually. And if you visit the website at www.businessherald.co.uk, you can also subscribe to our emailing mailing list where you get a full rundown of all the week's news stories on a Friday at three o'clock for you to while away your last couple of hours in the office or working from home. So thanks very much again for listening to this week's episode of the Business Herald podcast. Thank you very much and goodbye.